Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. I've always been a fan ever since I was introduced to his work, Neville Goddard. Uh, some of you are more familiar with Neville than others. Um, and one of his, if not his most powerful piece of work that he created was uh, a little book called At Your Command. And I have a travel copy that I carry is not to damage the original, because uh, the original is quite a mess. <laughs> uh, and I want to I bring some things from it uh, today for a couple different reasons. One is that I'm so glad that we all get to experience uh, the kind of chaos that's happening in the, in the world today, because it's such a great teaching point for keeping your head straight and staying focused. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the major lessons that Proctor used to teach was on focus, and he was always talking about focus. He was actually a, a big fan of uh, Napoleon, uh, Bonaparte, <laughs> I mean, so you don't confuse it with Hill, right? Bob used to have a statue of Napoleon uh, that was in his foyer before he walked out the door and people would be like, why the hell do you have a statue of Napoleon? And he said that it reminded him of two things, who he wanted to be and who he didn't want to be. Um, Napoleon was known for his intense ability to focus. You know, I think he said something like, uh, you know, if I focus on, if I focus past a problem, it must give way, you know, like it, he, if you've if you've read any of uh, uh, the stuff about Napoleon, you'll understand that there were so many things that he broke through that just nobody thought was even possible. But when you start to think about focus, you also have to start to think of the components of focus and to understand how to bring them in. And trust is one of them because again, if we go back to the idea that you have to trust yourself. Uh, it's it's so extraordinarily important because if every time you think about a question that that one of you may ask something like how do I stop doing this or how do I how do I stop doing that or how do I stop this voice in my head if you want to really break it down to the ridiculous it's a it's a practice on focus um, you we all have this incredible power to choose and in the choice we then determine what we're going to focus on and Confidence is, you, confidence can be used in, in two ways. One is that you can build up confidence where you have confidence in a thing or an ability. But we all have a measure of confidence in ourselves and what we already have the ability to do. But you have to, you have to bring it to bear like a tool up out of your soul or your consciousness to actually use. And you can do that with with any of the, the virtues, really, and you, there's no reason you can't do it with focus and confidence. So let's take a look at what Neville had to say here, because it's 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 pretty interesting, and I particularly like 
where he goes with desire because he was uh, one of the people that really unlocked my mind. Uh, when I first when I first heard, it had to it probably had to be Hill. When I first was reading Napoleon Hill and the way Hill was talking about desire, one of the conflicts that I had in my own mind was that was that contradicted everything I heard about desire from a religious perspective, right? Um, and like, and, you know, and if you think about like the Buddhists, what, what they believe, desire is like the root of all suffering, you know? I don't think that's true, by the way. I can see why, I can see why the ancients would come to these conclusions, though, um, because it would seem that if you don't understand the nature of yourself, that desire can be a really a real problem. Well, what if the desire that you have is condemned by the church, or it's condemned by the government, or it's condemned by the average individual? We can see how how Christianity has done that with sex. Uh, it's also done it with money to some degree. A lot of the issues that we have around money come from a religious standpoint, saying that it's no good to begin with, right? And it, it seems to be the center focus on so many biblical tragedies, you know, like, uh, like the 30 pieces of silver in the Bible, right? When, when Christ was sold out for 30 pieces of silver, money is the tempter there, you know, it's the it's it's almost the protagonist in the story because the you know the the idea is why would somebody do this why would Judas sell out the person that he loved the most for you know for thirty pieces of silver you know and then if you really get into it you find out that it's really not the silver at all I mean it, you know it's something entirely different um, we won't get into that today but. When you when you're indoctrinated with thought processes and ideologies that make the basic necessities and parts of ourself that um, are are part of who we are wrong, you destabilize a person. You need to think about that. Uh, you literally destabilize a person when somebody tells a lie. Even if, so, there. If you if you just look at the if you just look at the political scene right now, there's a lot of lying going on, on both sides. When the people that that push a lie forward to do their own agenda, they stabilize their own being. They 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 unstabilize their own being. It's extremely dangerous. It doesn't just affect another person. It affects you, the core of your soul. You lose a bearing on who you are when you do stuff like that. And I'm sure you've all seen situations where you know somebody is flagrantly lying and you're thinking to yourself, why the hell are they doing that? Well, they've gone from, they've gone from questioning it to totally buying into the lie. And the lie starts to become them. They start to believe their own lie. Uh, especially when it's backed by fear, you know. So here he says, have faith, have faith in this unseen claim until the conviction is born within you that it is so. Your confidence in this claim 
will pay great rewards. Just a little while, and he, the, the thing desired, will come. But without faith, it's impossible to realize anything. Through faith, the worlds were framed because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the thing not yet seen. Now, you have to understand faith is like when I read from God works through faith. Faith is something you do. It's something you do. It's a confidence in your belief. When you say you believe the laws, but you do something else, you're not showing any faith in the fact that you believe the laws. When you say it's here, but you don't show evidence that it's here because you pay a bill late or you are running short or you're constantly behind, you're not really exercising any great faith at all. Don't be anxious or concerned as to the results. So here we go with detachment again right? They will follow just as surely as day follows night. Look upon your desires, all of them, as the spoken words of God to every word or desire a promise. Let me read that again. Look upon your desires, all of them, as the spoken words of God and every word or desire a promise. A promise. The reason most of us fail to realize our desires is because we are constantly conditioning them. Do not condition your desire. Just accept it as it comes to you. Give thanks for it and point that give thanks for it to the point that you're grateful for having already received it. Then go about your way in peace. Such acceptance of your desire is like the dropping of a seed, a fertile seed, into prepared soil. For when you can drop uh, the thing desired into consciousness, confident that it shall appear, you have done all that is expected of you. But to be worried or concerned about the how of your desire maturing is to hold these fertile seeds in a mental grasp and therefore never to have dropped them in the soil of confidence. Never to have dropped them in the soil of confidence. Now, don't get confused when he talks about the how. We should have cleared that up sufficiently. The how is what you're doing. That's what you do every day. You're, you're doing the how. How it comes to you within that how, none of us know. What does that look like? Well, I want to make more sales. I'm making calls. I'm marketing. I'm moving people closer to the yes or closer to the no. Who will the people be? I don't know. That's part of the how. That's God's job. Where will they come from? I don't know. I don't need to know. I just need to know the cause. I don't need to understand how the effect is natural is going to happen in, in the, the world beyond what I know. Even the best marketers, right? The, the like the best marketers in the world, they don't know how the person is going to make the decision, who's going to see it, when they're going to see it, at the right time they're going to see it. They don't know that. They only know that they've done the best that they can to put a piece of marketing out into the world to reach whomever. Yes, it's targeted, 
Yes, it's analyzed. Yes, it's tested. Yes, it's worked and reworked and reworked and reworked to make it better and better and better. But the external far out how, we don't know. The reason men condition their desires is because they're const- they constantly judge after the appearance of being and see the things as real, forgetting that the only reality is the consciousness back of them. To see things as real is to deny that all things are possible to God. So what we're talking about is problems, hiccups, challenges, a, 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 a series of no's, a mistake. You know, it's not evidence that you're not doing the right thing, you're going in the right direction, or that it's not going to happen. None, it's not evidence of that at all. A question often asked when this statement is made is if one of the desires is a gift of God, how can how can you say that if one desire is if one desire to kill a man, that such a desire is good and therefore God sent? In answer to this, let me say that no man desires to kill another. Right? So see, this is this is like the whole question of can God carry a, uh, create a rock that he can't carry? Right, we're we're not dealing within the nature. What he de- what he does desire is to be freed from such such a one, but because he does not believe that the desire to be freed from such a one contains within itself the powers of freedom, he conditions that desire and sees on- the only way to express such freedom is to destroy the man, forgetting that the life wrapped within the desire has has ways that he as man knows not. Its ways are past finding out. Thus, man distorts the gifts of God through his lack of faith. His lack of faith. You know, wherever we see the idea of destroying another person, it's fear. It's always fear. That's what cults do. Problems are the mountains spoken of that can be removed if one has but the faith of grain of a seed, of mustard seed. Men approach their problems as they did the old lady who on the attendance of the service and hearing the priest says, if you had but faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you would say unto yonder mountain, be thou moved and it shall be removed and nothing is impossible to you. Now, doesn't that presuppose that a mountain can be moved? Think about that. If you don't believe the mountain can be moved, then the statement is false to you. But it also creates a question. A mountain can be moved? We know that a mountain can be moved. We've moved many mountains. We've built roads through mountains. We know that that the natural erosion of the planet (laughs) removes mountains. That night as she said her prayers, she quoted this part of the scriptures and retired to bed in what she thought was faith. On arising in the morning, she rushed to the window and exclaimed, 
I knew that old mountain would still be there. For this is how many approaches, this, this is how, how man approaches his problems. He knows that they're still going to confront him. And because life is no respecter of persons and destroys nothing, it continues to keep alive that which he is conscious of being. Things will disappear only as man changes his consciousness. Deny it if you will. It still remains a fact that the consciousness is the only reality in things, but mirror that which you are conscious. So the heavenly state that you're seeking will be found only in consciousness. For the kingdom of heaven is within you, and the will of heaven is ever done on earth. You are today living in heaven that you have that's that you that you have established within you. For here on the very earth, your heaven reveals itself. The kingdom of heaven really is at hand now. Now is the accepted time. So create a new heaven, enter into a new state of consciousness, and a new earth will appear. The former things shall pass away. Pretty cool. I specifically like the part about the desires, to consider them as a gift or a promise. It's amazing to me that when a person does this, their life begins to change right before their eyes because it is our internal guidance system. It's our spiritual guidance system. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.